0: BLOB TALK RADIO via Radio Saigon and simulcast across the country via Blog Talk Radio and later Bflow360.com. This is Fanatic Radio, America's premier sports music program, live and direct on College Colors Day. My Gardner joined in the studio always the notorious Ben Florence from American University.
1: Yes, and, 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 and I'm and back.
0: As, yep. Yep, school started and also joining us for the first time at the uh, the new school calendar year, our very own Graham Burns in the house. Yes.
1: Hey, I'm here. What's yes.
0: up? Are we repping our college colors? I am. I'm wearing my intramural championship shirt today.
1: I had no idea it's actually college colors day, and this is awkward because I'm wearing, I am wearing my AU gym shorts, but I'm also wearing a... uh University of Missouri shirt, so this is is awkward.
2: Yeah, I had no idea this day existed, so I got a uh, Pittsburgh Penguins shirt on right now with some uh, tan pants. Not at all all what we
0: wanted. (laughs) Graham's not even repping college sports, because that's all we're pretty much going to talk about today is our Fanatic Radio college football kickoff with little stuff in between. Uh, Because we'll mention Kevin Love officially being signed with the Cleveland Cavaliers, which I think... We've been reporting that for quite some time And then We've well, touched on some NFL news But our NFL preview is next week Considering mm. all the thousands of commercials That we've seen with Thursday Night Football With Jim Nance ripping off his suit To have another suit underneath
2: <laughs> and,
0: and we'll also have an exclusive interview From uh, U.S. cycling uh, Record holder Summer Moke from, Featured in Sports Illustrated uh, A couple of weeks ago She uh, has joined us for our weekly conversation We'll begin today with our f- college football kickoff and a very special time in college football because it is the first year that the inaugural playoff system will be in effect. Now, I was reading ESPN The Magazine's college football issue, trying to get wrap my head and come to grips with what on earth this is going to work out for. But B-Flow, with a playoff system, it's finally what the fans wanted, and it finally gets us away from the computers. But is it a good or a bad thing that we put our trust in who is the best in college football in the hands of 13 people in this college football committee.
1: Well, I think that ultimately if we were going to go away from the computers, which certainly were flawed, uh, you know, the BCS uh, certainly had its flaws, I think that having some sort of a uh, selection committee was ultimately a uh, necessary move in order for such a playoff system to work. Because if had, had they been chosen by computers, it very well could have just been the BCS all over again, in a way, but with an that, that added game. I think that – now, I do have some concern, I, I, and I've read a little bit about this. Like, apparently, uh, people that are on a committee that, and they, they have a, a connection to a school, they're supposed to recuse themselves. Like, uh, for example – um, Oliver Locke, who is the uh, athletic director at uh, West Virginia. He's also the father of Andrew Locke. If if, now, what, West Virginia is not going to be in the mix for the football playoff, but in theory, if they're talking about West Virginia, he's supposed to refuse himself. However, there's still some questions about conflict of interest, uh, maybe not toward the school that they're directly in, maybe against like a, like a rival... So it's still, you know, there certainly will be some kinks to have to work out. But all in all, I'm excited. I'm happy we're fun. we finally do have some sort of a playoff. Uh, if this wasn't like, in my, in a perfect world, I would have liked, uh, like a 16-team playoff. Uh right. Like what uh, Dan Wendell wrote in uh, the Death of the BCS book. I have all the conference champions and then some at-larges. But I do like the, when this is a plus-one model. And uh, I think it's going to make uh, what's always a fun college football season even more wide open. Graham, is
0: there any flaws to this? Because with these, with this committee, uh, Flo was talking about not to uh, to have allegiance towards schools. Looking at some of the names, there are some not direct teams that could most likely make this inaugural playoff, but there are movers and shakers that have ties to schools in certain conferences? Because I think that's what's going to boil down to the Power Five conferences. The head of the committee is Arkansas Athletic Director Jeff Long. And, you know, who's to say he's not going to be pro-SEC? Are there more flaws than just a simple playoff system?
2: Well, I think inherently with this college football system, there's always going to be flaws. I mean, with the BCS computers, it was the third team that was out. Now it's just the fifth team out. It's just a little more, it adds a different dimension to it. And like you said, I read that same issue of ESPN magazine. They did an entire feature on the different members of the selection committee for the playoffs. And they showed all the ties that these different uh, board members have to different schools, like Condoleezza Rice with Stanford, like all these ridiculous connections. And I certainly think that uh, at the end of the day, I think that they'll probably get at least three out of the four teams. They'll be Three out of the four teams will be a solid bet to make it, but it's always going to be that last team in that we're always going to be wondering in the back of our minds, like, what there's some prejudice here in terms of uh, one of the board members being associated either with a team or a conference. But people wanted to get rid of the computers, they got rid of the computers. So this is how we're going to have to go from now on. It's pretty much uh, like would you rather a human error or computer error? So.
0: Yeah, I mean at least human error. You know, you know someone you can you know throw throw your you know throw stuff at when they do get something wrong. I want to give a shout out to one of the members in the committee though, Clemson AD Dan Rakovich, because going through his uh, his bio at Clemson University, he was once back for only a year in 2000 to 2001. Lo and behold, was the athletic director at our very own American University. Whoa. And apparently, he is the man that got the school into the dreaded Patriot League. So how about that? The bane of our uh, non-athletic existence in American university rests solely on the <laughs> shoulders of a man who is actually in the committee for the college football <laughs> playoffs. We definitely need to get him on the show, not to uh, not out of spite, but out of just uh, applause that he uh, has completely. Uh, sent American athletics into a train wreck, but looking at some yeah, of the guys, it's, it an
1: int- train wreck?
0: it's an interesting it's mix. It's an interesting mix of ads <laughs> and former coaches. You got Tom Osborne, you got Archie Manning, Tyrone Willingham, uh, and as uh, Graham mentioned, Conalisa Rice. That being said, our college football pre- preview finally rolls forward, and I want to first start with uh, with USC, our good friends in uh, SoCal, In uh-huh. not even a week. Has been a team that is looks to be on a promising rise off the rebound after the dreaded Lane Kiffin era, and with all the the Pete Carroll mess that finally got cleared up, now is even under more scrutiny after okay. the uh, the Josh Shaw incident and one of the uh, running backs call, calling their new head coach a racist. Graham, when <laughs> for Josh Shaw story, and now their running back quitting. US, it's back to just ground zero at USC, isn't it not?
2: Yeah, they, I remember I was reading that same ESPN preview uh, magazine. They're just talking about how uh, this new coach is just everything they need and how this year there's going to be no midnight firings like there was last year. And then this absolutely ridiculous story comes out. And I just I couldn't believe it. I, I on ESPN.com they did a whole feature talking about Josh Shaw saving his nephew. And then two days later, there's starting to be phone calls. He's at team captain. Uh, I, I'm very interested to see what the actual reason is for why he has these two sprained ankles. Uh, it hasn't officially been released. So it's only said that he jumped off of a balcony for some, one reason or the other. And then just like piggybacking off of that is the running back calling uh, Steve Sarkeesian a racist. It's just unbelievable, and he said he had no idea when he met with this player early in the week. There was no indication that he would make any, any of these allegations. It's just absolutely ridiculous what they're doing.
0: The flow for USC and Sarkeesian, they return 14 starters, a team that won 10 wins. So it wasn't like this team was bad last year. I mean, by USC yeah. standards, they're pretty awful in the Pac-12. But they avoid, and their schedule is fairly easy for them to at least make a run to the Pac-12 title. They avoid Oregon. They don't have Washington. The only big games are at Stanford and at UCLA. But with their troubles that USC is going through, is UCLA still the
1: team to watch in SoCal? Well, I think that anyways, even going in, although I know a lot of people like SC, and I like this SC team a, a lot. I think that ultimately UCLA is better, and not only because they have the better quarterback, and the best quarterbacks from Brett Hundley, I think they're just stronger strong overall team, and because that that, that decisive game, is going at it between each other at the Rose Bowl, where the, uh, where the play, so place will all have uh, home field advantage. But this is definitely just a big distraction, particularly for a coach that, yes, he does have experience coaching in the Pac-12, and he's coached before USC, but he's never coached, been the head coach at USC, obviously, since the same year. So the Shaw thing, what I think the school did is, they, they, I think they piggybacked off of Shaw too early with the story. They weren't, um, they weren't, um, you know, they weren't making sure that it was. They basically took his word for it, even though there was a significant amount of suspicion. Now, as to what will happen with Shaw, Turkiejian said uh, uh, within the last day or so that ultimately Shaw could come back to the team. Uh, nobody really knows yet what happened with his ankles. If he had to come up with a story, he probably was jumping off. I could see the story of jumping off a building, trying to do it into a pool. I mean, that's why they build pools so far away from a house. Yeah. So that you can't do that. But anyways, and then the, the thing with the running back, who was clearly not happy with being moved to defensive back, but for him to come out and just say that Sarkeesian's a racist, I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. just, that's, just, that's just ludicrous.
0: That's so far a uh, left field, it's uh, absurd. But looking for both of you guys, looking at the, uh, the rankings, and which is funny because back to, the, uh, back to our friends in the committee, they're the ones that are going to decide the top 25 every week. And that is, as we mentioned at the top of the show, is where the conflict of interest could come to play because it's basically 13 people deciding the fate of college football. But looking at the preseason ranking, even though several games got underway last, uh, last night, and more coming forward this weekend. Who is the most overrated team? Because for me, I think, at least for the ESPN poll, it's got to be Auburn putting them at number five. Maybe Ohio State at number six, considering Braxton Miller is not there. But who's the most overrated team out of the, uh, the top 25?
1: Well, to be clear, the, the selection committee is not doing the top 25 as of yet. They will be doing a poll. Kind of like with the BCS rankings, where I believe that'll be in October. The AP mm. poll still exists, and uh, more unfortunately, the poll, which is always just a joke, <laughs> still exists. But as to what teams are overrated, I think Auburn's got. I think you got a legitimate claim with Auburn. I think they're a good team, but let's not forget, and, and Auburn fans do not want to admit this. They had a significant amount of luck to get to the SEC championship game. Then they had an awesome performance and they nearly beat uh, Florida State. But what happened against Georgia, that's an anomaly. And then what happened against Alabama was also an anomaly as well. That acquired a significant amount of luck and everything that had to go their way, which did. I think that, you know, Auburn, legitimate uh, concern. I think look at Oklahoma. Oklahoma is a team I think that can get into the playoffs. However, I think they have been a little overrated only based off of the, uh, the, the tremendous Sugar Bowl performance by Trevor Knight and by the Sooners in taking out in Smoky Alabama. Now, Nick Saban did, of course, come out and say that, you know what, we weren't up for his team, which is basically a cop-out, but it is kind of true. We saw that mm-hmm. when Auburn lost to Tim Tebow in the SEC Championship game, came out against the Utah team, which they were better than, even though it was a good Utah team, and got smoked there. That said, Oklahoma wasn't great last year. They really came on down the stretch, but they weren't the best team in the conference. And I think that they're going to be in for a tough fight with uh, with a high-powered Baylor club once again. But I think they're going to be ranked at four, maybe a little higher. Even though I do think they could get the playoff.
2: Yeah, I see. I see the. I see the pack or not the Pac-12. I see the Big 12 winner in this playoff, uh, whether it be Oklahoma, Baylor, I mean, any number of teams. Uh, Texas, or no, Texas AM is in the SEC now. Uh, but I agree, this in, the lineup of Ohio State, Auburn, and Oklahoma in that 4-5-6 slot, I could see all of those teams potentially taking a hit very early on considering Ohio State's situation with Braxton Miller getting injured. However, I do mm. feel like having Urban Meyer as your coach makes a huge difference there i feel like uh although miller was one of the preseason candidates for the heisman i feel like ohio state has always had a very good defense and uh their running game has always been strong so i feel like they'll be able to make up for it however auburn on the other hand i agree with slow here i think uh they had a certain degree of luck last year nick marshall is kind of suspended uh apparently he's not going to be playing quarterback in the first game, but they're going to be using him sparingly. <laughs> um, other than that, I mean, I think last night we learned that either South Carolina is way overrated or Texas A&M is way underrated. Yeah. And I think it's that South Carolina is overrated. Steve Spurrier is a great coach, and they have a lot of returning players from last year. But I think saying that they had a shot to win the SEC title was a little bit of a stretch. I don't think they're up there in terms of the class the FCC with Alabama – Potentially
0: Auburn, LSU, yet. So. Well, it's also like watching the Ole Miss Boise State game of yeah, you know, got you got Pollock and Reese Davis saying Old you know, Ole Miss could be a threat in the SEC West, which eh, you know, because SEC is very good, especially uh, a team like Alabama who everyone's talking about who's going to be their quarterback. Which an interesting stat from uh, ESPN Alex Scarborough he's saying that the past three national championships. Under Nick Saban uh, Two of them were first year starting quarterbacks And the only mm-hmm. reason why Alabama's good the only reason why Alabama's good anyway Is because they got a solid run game They got T.J. Yeldon, They got Xavier Henry yep. Who's a monster Who was freshman last year Who was amazing uh, We'll go back to Alabama in a minute Because one of the key games this weekend A fan you scout for Is 8, uh, 8 o'clock Eastern uh, Saturday night the, national, the defending national champions Head to Jerry World To take on Oklahoma State Florida State Oklahoma State, 8 p.m. on ABC. This is uh, a chance to see Jameis Winston after all the, the things of stealing the crabs and as return, Pete Heisman Trophy winner. This guy is going to have a huge spotlight under him or over him. And But as Florida State, you know, without their core of wide receivers, that really bailed them out in the championship game last year, caught the game-winning touchdown. Is Florida State still primed to repeat as national champion.
2: I I I definitely think so. Um, I mean, you look at Winston. They they actually mean I've heard an interesting point made about him is that last year he would overextend himself because he had such a good core group of receivers, and um, now they're looking at it, and his uh, his uh, completion percentage goes way up within the ten yards from the line of scrimmage, which is interesting because. A lot was made last year of his ability to throw the ball down the field and uh, the big plays that Florida State made. But now they're thinking that his completion percentage will actually increase, especially if he doesn't take as many chances. Uh, they, NFL scouts have talked about how his big problem is that he overstrides when he throws, which hurts his accuracy. Uh, but I definitely think, especially if their run game is better this year, if it becomes more of a focal point for their offense, that, uh, Winston will have no problem taking this team back to the national championship and possibly even even because being in the talk of the Heisman again.
0: Not as far as undefeated season because they have some pretty tough teams on their schedule, including at Louisville and against Notre Dame, and then eventually down the road against Miami. But uh, Florida, is Florida State, good enough to run the table again like they did last year.
1: I think they, I think they definitely are. I think Jameis Winston is not going really to be as strong. He could. He you, you could very well end up better. We just kind of saw that last year. Johnny Manziel, in my opinion, actually played better the second year, say for a couple of games, than he did the previous year in that he came along more as a passer. He relied a little less on his legs, although, not, uh, although uh, still was uh, used in a lot. I think you're going to see a little bit of a similar thing with Winston. I agree with everything uh, that Graham said. And you look at the schedule, I mean, the ACC, it's basically, it's Florida State, it's Clemson, and then there's a decent drop. I don't think that you look at the, the rest of the ACC teams. I think the team they have to be worried about, again, the most is, is Clemson. So they're going to be without Taj Boyd, without Sammy Watkins. Those should be a very good team. And this time, like last year when they were in Death Valley, that game's in Tallahassee. So I look at the Florida State club. Unless they uh, fall in the trap game uh, somewhere, which is always possible, I think they're primed to go 12-0, and uh, smash whoever they play in Charlotte in the ACC Championship, and get back and get to the playoffs.
0: Yeah, because uh, the Clemson team actually won the Orange Bowl, beat Ohio State without their best quarterback and wide receiver. Florida State's a very interesting case because they I could see them lose a trap, like one of those games, either at Miami or at Louisville, because it's, it's midway in the season, because everyone is, for them, is focusing on this last game against Florida. You know, how is Will Muschamp going to come out with this Florida team because they did so bad, they got everything to prove It's their last game of the season, which all, all eyes are going to be on Jameis Winston, how he's going to perform in the clutch it's late November game, so it's getting close to the Heisman voting. So wh- who is going to try to be the team that dethroned them, but they are a team that most likely could make the playoffs. In the case of the SEC, before we had to break, you have a pretty much wide open in terms of if even if Auburn can even strike back. But then we saw South, South Carolina losing with Auburn being overrated, with Georgia getting their legs underneath them with a, uh, with a new quarterback as uh, Aaron Murray went to the NFL. Basically, it's LSU and Alabama duking it out for the SEC title, at least my opinion. Flo, is Alabama going to run through this conference like a train wreck because of the way they sort of ended their season last year and now they got Lane Kiffin in the house? Is Alabama going to be back and better than ever?
1: Uh, I still have some concerns about Alabama. I think they're, they're still a very strong team. This is also a deep SEC. I actually, in my prediction, had Alabama losing in the SEC championship game to South Carolina and after South Carolina's very disappointing performance against a stronger-than-expected Texas A&M club, I think I already looked like a buffoon, even sooner than usual. But I look at this Alabama team. I am a little worried, yes, they don't necessarily need – they're not reliant, as other teams are, on the quarterback, but we, we're still not certain – and this was also the case when AJ McCarron won the title – we're still not certain who the quarterback is. Everyone has been assuming that it's going to be Philip poker who and people and uh, some people don't know this, but he very well could have been Florida State's quarterback last year, almost won the job, but of course they went with Jameis Winston and you know the rest is history. But there's also Phillip Sims in the mix, and he apparently has looked very good. And he was the guy that McCarron beat out uh, so long ago, and he's a 50 year senior as well. So I, but well, I look that, at they actually team. they actually they declared Sims the starter. Oh, they did well. They, yeah, then even more so. So yeah, and in that previous game, uh, when McCarron had eventually got the job, they had split uh, time in that first game against some uh, SDSU teams. So I think that Alabama. I'm just getting this feeling they're still a really good team, of course, because it's still Nick Saban and still you know have all these pieces. But I don't think they're as fearsome as they have been in the past. I think Auburn's going to be in the mix. Uh, LSU is always in the mix. we got Leonard Fournette, who people are already hyping up at the Wazoo. I've heard people say he could be a Heisman guy, and he would be the first true Heisman winner. Uh, so the SEC, as always, fun to watch.
0: All right, Graham, before we send it to break, uh, we talked about how good Alabama could be. They play their first game uh, in, um, in Hotlanta against West Virginia, 330. On ABC and ESPN two tomorrow, but uh, who, other than Alabama, who could be a team that could win the SEC? B-Flo, according to Bflow three hundred and sixty dot com's picks, he has the good old South Carolina and the old ball coach making it to the college football playoff. Could there be another team as well that could spoil the party? Possibly LSU, maybe a Florida,
1: Vandy.
2: I, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm a Vandy, or maybe maybe a Mizu I don't know. Uh, the SEC West is absolutely. Is absolutely stacked this year, uh, especially with the explosiveness that Texas A&M showed last night. I mean, they, we've been talking about how Mississippi State has a chance in this conference to to make some noise. Arkansas always is, is lurking there, and then of course there's Ole Miss, LSU, Auburn, Alabama, and Texas A&M. So you're, I could see one of I could see five different teams in the SEC West playing for the title game. On the other hand, SEC East traditionally weaker. Uh, especially after South Carolina's blowout loss last night, I see, I see Florida or Georgia coming out of there. I really think we have to see Georgia in action before we can make any snap judgments. But I definitely think, um, I do not think that Florida is as good as people are thinking they are. Uh, I think Jeff Driscoll is a little overhyped. I never thought he was that good. Uh, I'm so confused as to why they're starting today. Georgia, on the other hand, they have Todd Gurley, Heisman runner. Uh, they have a they have a defense that is revamped after last year. Their defense got obliterated. The second half of the year, they stood no chance in any of those games because their defense just couldn't stay healthy. So I feel like if Georgia stays healthy this year, they get the SECs. However, South Carolina could make a comeback. However, I do see uh, Alabama coming out of this conference again as the SEC title champion and probably going to the playoffs.
0: All right, we'll break down those playoffs with the four teams that we think could have run the table as all roads lead to AT&T Stadium and Jerry World. And also our Summer Milk interview will be on the flip side of the break. You're listening to Fnatic Radio on Blog Talk Radio.
1: It's Fnatic Radio. Get ready to break the pain! <laughs>
2: the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's cars. Fanatic Radio on
1: Lock Talk Radio. Fanatic
2: Radio is America's premier sports music program. It's an essential part of our society, like hot dogs and Cadillacs. With Mike Gardner and Ben Florence providing unique insights from the wide
1: world of sports. He should just retire so he could dip him in bronze and ship them to the Hall of Fame. Playing only the hottest music. The only thing we ever play on the show is most talented r and R&B. Always striving for perfection.
0: We're climbing the ladder to success, escalator style.
1: Yes. (laughs) See for yourself. Check out Fanatic Radio only on Blog Talk Radio.
0: My Gardner, Ben Florence, Graham Burns, bringing you uh, today's college football preview as the season kicks off. I guess it already kicked off, but it kicks off even more so tonight with a huge slate of games, especially this weekend. We've got uh, flows. boys up in Mizzou. They take on South Dakota State. Alabama takes on West Virginia. UCLA at Virginia. Ohio State goes to Annapolis to take on Navy. defending national champion Florida State plays Oklahoma State 8 o'clock Wisconsin LSU another big game people should watch out for and Clemson Georgia 530 on ESPN also Arkansas Auburn on the new SEC network what did you guys think of the SEC network Uh, first game was last night Texas A&M against uh, South Carolina with uh, Jesse Palmer and the old and but great Brett Musburger
1: you know uh, the uh, what I thought the best part now I because I, we don't actually we don't even have cable here, but I, I was able to watch some of the games uh, through uh, nefarious methods, and one thing I noticed at one point the studio crew because they, they or their their with their version of Game Day the SEC Nation show Joe Tessitore, uh, Tim Chibo, uh, Marcus Spears, and the great uh, Paul Feinbaum. It was apparently when Paul Feinbaum actually like because apparently they're ta- they're de- the table they're sitting at it was like rectors, or in a rector stand or something They he like five of that pulled a piece of the table like out of place or something ridiculous but it was actually you know I saw I watched the first video the opening video uh, they had all these uh, like you know guys from SEC schools so what was comical is that they had guys talking about what it's like to be in the SEC and whether it was Max Scherzer. Uh, who was at Missouri when they were in the Big 12, or the dat, great that win, Cowboy great, when he was at Texas A&M when they were in the Big 12, or George Rogers in South Carolina was an independent. They're talking about being in the S C C and what it's like when they weren't in the S C C. But anyways, you know, the SEC network has its usual ESPN height, which uh, meant a little over height, but that's okay. Uh, you know, I thought, you know, Musburger and Palmer, you know, solid crew. That's kind of what we expected. Uh, everyone was talking about Musburger yeah. uh, more or less being demoted. I, and I actually like. Uh, I saw a couple of sports center segments with the uh, the studio guys, and I actually thought you know it was a solid mix. Marcus Spears was solid, a five-ball, and I like what Tim Tebow brought to the table. I think he could be uh, good on TV as well. So I think a solid debut for the SEC Network uh, in their game coverage yesterday.
0: All right. So we're we'll turning right. to our college football preview. Uh, we'll break down the college football playoff. Plead a case for uh, the teams in the non-the SEC or ACC that could have a, a legit chance. Oregon, possibly Oklahoma. Whoever our surprises are, that could make it into the playoffs. But now it is time officially for our weekly conversation. All right. She's she's some remote member of Team 2016 Cycling Junior Development Team who recently set a national record in the 2K individual pursuit with a time of 2 hours 35 minutes and 26 seconds at the Junior Track Nationals in Carson, California. And she is also the U.S. national record holder for the 500 meter t- uh, time trial. She set in 2013. She joins us now on the show. Thank you once again for taking the time to do this. Thank you. Uh, first, got to say and ask, how did you get involved with
3: cycling? Well, in 2010, I was 11 years old, and I attended a kids' camp at Outcook Village Room in Katy, Texas. And then I kind of, you know, took off the bike for a little bit and was doing other stuff. And then in 2011, when I was 12 years old, I got back into cycling and attended my first bike races, and i was really loving it so then i decided i wanted to go to my first national championships which were in frisco texas and from there i ended up winning all the events and i realized that i actually had talent on a bike so now i'm where i am now
0: <laughs> was it uh was it always just uh velodrome stuff or would you did you try road cycling as well
3: um i did road cycling as well as track cycling i my first few years, I was mostly doing velodrome racing, and then I kind of went to more road, and now it's those back and forth with both of those.
2: Is this something you've
0: always you've always wanted to do? Because it seems like cycling is one of those sports, kind of like like swimming and golf, where it's 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 casual. It's a it's something casual to do unless you're very good at it. Is this something you've always just been really passionate about?
3: Well. Back in the day, my mom was a cyclist, and once I was old enough to actually start riding a bike, I rode around the neighborhood and found it really interesting and fun, and like we would race around the block, and me and my brother, and we would just play around with it, and then once I found out about the junior camp, it was like real bike racing and like really riding a bike, so then I really enjoyed that, and like once I found out that I was good enough to compete at a national level, I felt like it was my thing, and I really really like it and so
0: um you said you're from Katy, texas i'm from dallas and what, what we what we know more than what everyone on the national landscape of cycling knows is there's not really much hills in texas so uh how, and, but then you see guys like lance armstrong he credits a lot of his training down in austin so is is it, it's sort of a myth that people from texas aren't good cyclers
3: um, I think it is, because I personally, I never really trained in the hills until this year. I'm actually mostly living in California now, because there's a lot more hills. But when I lived in Texas, which was all last year and the year before that, um, I think it was all a myth about that, because I would go up to Austin and do hills, but in, like, Katy, there's no hills. But you can still, there's other ways you can train instead of just doing hills.
0: So if you notice, has there been a a big adjustment from training in California to training in Texas?
3: Yes, totally. I really like the training in California way better than Texas, one, because there's no heat. (laughs) And there's a lot more hills and it's just there's better group rides, more people, there's beautiful scenery everywhere you go. So, it's been nice training here.
0: For people that say that, you know, anyone can do this, what is what is sort of your your first response to to I guess the haters out there that don't believe that this is actually a competitive sport?
3: It is definitely one of the hardest sports ever. Most people think, oh, I can get on a bike and I'm fast. Well, there's way more to it than just getting on a bike and pedaling as fast as you can because even when I started, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, like, totally good at this because I can, like, ride a bike. Well, there's so much more to it than just riding a bike. There's, like, the eating, the gym, recovering, like you just have to take all that into perspective when you actually go to bike races, but some, like the people who really don't know about cycling don't understand that, so if you just did go you, to a bike race, like, see, you'll realize it.
0: <laughs> exactly, that. and speaking of that, did you get, happen to watch any of the uh, the Tour de France or the, um, the US Pro Bike Challenge that happened in Colorado just a few weeks ago?
3: Actually, I did. I... There was Tour of California which was here in California. I participated in the crit with my team and we got to watch the I got to join the pro ladies for twenty sixteen pro cycling and see how they did things but I was also I was also competing with them, so I got to act like I was a real pro for once, which was really awesome because it's so much more than what like you see just around town. <laughs>
2: How was that?
0: How was the whole experience?
3: It was awesome. The race didn't go as planned because there was many crashes and everyone wanted to win, you know? So it was a great experience with my team and my teammates, so it was awesome.
0: And then recently you actually set another national record in the 2K individual pursuit. How does it, for you personally, what does it mean to know that you hold? Not, I guess, not one, but two U.S. records for for uh, for cycling.
3: It's really awesome because the 2K record was set by Sarah Hammer in 1999, and she's a two-time Olympic silver medalist now. And I beat her record by five minutes, which was awesome. Oh, five seconds, sorry. Um, and that was awesome because, like, I after that I got invited to. a team pursuit camp in Colorado Springs for the, at the Olympic Training Center, so it's really awesome to see that what I'm doing is, like, actually going somewhere, and I was only five seconds off the world record, which is one of my goals for next year.
0: So is, that, is Rio 2016 a, a goal for the future?
3: Um, I will be too young for Rio, but... I'm hoping for 2020 that I will be ready and I'm able to compete by then.
0: So, uh, talk about the team as, uh, that you that you race for. Uh, what's what's been sort of the uh, the big changes you've noticed, especially how cycling has become so popular, is starting to is rise so popular, especially uh, from when from when you were growing up yeah, in the '90s and 2000s. To where it is now, just how much has the team helped you in in, uh, helping pursue your dream?
3: They're actually introducing me into very bigger things, bigger goals. They're really encouraging, and also the role models on my team are awesome. We have five Olympic medalists on my team, so they all help you. They motivate you and just keep you going on the right path, and Nicola Kramer is our team manager, and she really helps, like, with the, like, everything. She's awesome. So I really give her props for everything, <laughs> getting me onto the team, and now she just keeps me really happy.
1: That uh
0: any self-motivation that you have, special superstitions or anything?
3: Um, not really. I pretty much all, like, I don't really know. Just nothing in like in particular.
0: No nope, no pregame music, no 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 lucky charms you have?
3: Um, I do have the same like playlist for music. Um I do the same thing at every race. You warm up, you know, get ready, keep your head on straight. Um, I love music. That's one of my main things before a race. I don't have any lucky charms or anything yet, but loud music is definitely what keeps me going.
0: When you're racing a bike, how fast do you actually go when you're at top speed on a velodrome?
3: Um, Well, it varies. My top speed I've ever hit is 41 or 42 or whatever, and that's in a sprint, so you like ride behind the motor and whatnot, so.
0: Are you willing to do more road racing, or do you still want to stick to track cycling? If you had to choose, I guess, what would be your favorite one to do?
3: Um, I've been asked this question many times. I really have no clue yet because I really love racing road because I feel like it helps my track cycling, but i would definitely probably pick track cycling because i feel like i have a future in track cycling more than i do in road um but i really like climbing hills and doing crits cuz they're one of my favorites also
0: and so what's the best what's the best place you've you've been you've ridden
2: in
3: um i would have to say california i really love the riding here
0: All right, and we'll get you out of here on this summer. Uh, what are you sort of your big, I guess, long-term goals? Uh, of course, we did, we did talk about that, how you you really want to make the Olympics and break a world record. But what are some of the what are some of the uh, sort of short-term goals that you're concerned about? Uh, just like in the upcoming months. Any special races that you're preparing for, or any events you're going to?
3: Um, cyclocross starts. Next month, um, cyclocross is a mix between mountain biking and road cycling, pretty much. So last year, I competed in cyclocross nationals, and I got fourth, and I was the bottom of the age group. So this year, I'm looking for a win at cyclocross nationals, which are in January.
0: All right. We'll be looking forward to that. Once again, she is Summer Moke. You can follow her on Twitter, at summermoke 14 and keep up to date with uh, the Future of U.S. Cycling, and she joined us here on <laughs> Fanatic Radio. Thanks so once again for taking the time to do this.
3: Yeah, thank you guys for having me.
0: And once again, you can catch Summer's interview on the podcast on iTunes and on BFlo360 and blogtalkradio.com slash Radio. as we roll ahead with our college football preview reminding you there's a slate of games tonight, tomorrow, and all throughout the fall leading up to the National Championship game which will be in North Texas Dallas Arlington Jerry World. But before that, four teams have to play two games. And those being the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl as the new college football playoff will be selected from 13 committee members and Basically, all conference affiliations are not, uh, I guess, excluded from these two bowl games with other bowls, and then it just gets really complicated and boring. But some big-name teams that we didn't mention out. The case for the Pac-12. Now, it has been a wide-open conference for uh, for years, but Oregon has always been that team that has had the flash, the hype. This year, Marcus Mariota decided to forego the draft to come back, and now their second full year without Chip Kelly it seems like Oregon could be hitting their stride, or so they could, or so they say. Or as Lee Corso says, "Not so fast, my friend." Does Oregon finally make it over the Hump B Flow to make it to the college football playoff and actually win a national championship?
1: Well, I think they're definitely poised to do so. Before the Braxton Miller injury, I would have said no because the Pac-12 is so strong that I think they would have fallen at least once somewhere and then not been able to get in. But now without it, I think that Oregon, who I do think will win the conference, will get in. After all, they do have, and even with Jameis Winston, they may still have the best quarterback and, and perhaps one of the best athletes in America in uh, college football, in Marcus Mariota, who probably was going to win the Heisman before he really struggled. was very inconsistent down the stretch. I look at this Oregon team, they, they're not great uh, defensively, and they're replacing the defensive coordinator in a long time defensive coordinator, Nick Aliotti. But I think I look at this Oregon team, you know, it's always uh, they have a big home field advantage at Outland out Stadium. They're very athletic. They still run the, uh, the wide open explosive offensive scheme. And I think they're concerned they have UCLA coming to out then if I am correct on that, I may not be, and I think UCLA is their toughest challenge. Actually, I don't think I play UCLA, but and but I think that they'll host UCLA in the Pac-12 championship game. And I think out, uh, Oregon is a strong conference. You know, UCLA is good. Uh, we were joking about it, but SC is good. Uh, and Arizona State, Arizona, Washington. Uh, there are a lot of even at the bottom. Utah is good. Uh, your CU Bucs should be better, Mike. So I, I, this, this Pac-12 conference is, is not the SEC because, let's face it, what is the SEC? Well, the Pac-12 conference, I think, has a pretty solid claim, in my opinion, as being perhaps the second-best college uh, conference in college football.
0: For correction for flow, October 11th, the Ducks have to go into the Rose Bowl to take on uh-huh, UCLA. And then uh-huh. even still... They have the game against Stanford, who has had uh, uh, Oregon's number the past few years. Stanford is a team that I think many people are overlooking because UCLA mm. could do well with the southern part of that Pac-12, unless you know one of the Arizonas just explodes and goes off. But still, people, I don't think people are giving Stanford much credit. It, it, they're in the top ten, and their only two tough opponents are at Oregon and at UCLA. And you think about it, Graham. If Stanford runs the table and does really well, and they make the the, uh, the playoff, they could be playing in the Rose Bowl. That's the thing all these Pac-12 teams are, are, you know, are chomping at the bit. In fact, to play in the Rose Bowl so that travel isn't so bad, and then even going to Dallas, because if they get selected to go all the way to New Orleans and then to Dallas, travel really affects it, despite the two weeks off they get from the semifinals to the finals. But, Graham, mm-hmm. Pac-12, are we not giving them enough credit because... Jameis Winston's Florida State team is very good, and the SEC is very good.
2: I think they have to they have to earn their credit first. They've proven that they're they have some decent uh, top tier teams. Oregon, I think they're just destined to never really. I just feel like they're never going to get over the hump. Uh, just the way they play football, it's a very exciting way to play football. But the teams you've seen win the past few years. You've got the SECs who are more well-rounded football teams in terms of defensively, as well as being able to find different ways to win other than just by outscoring the other team. That's always how Oregon football is felt to me. They have to outscore the other team and just they have to drive the score up as high as they can. Meanwhile, these other teams can win, can win pillow fights where field goals might be, only, be the only option. Uh, I could also potentially see the Pac-12 cannibalizing itself as Stanford Mm -hmm. plays Oregon and UCLA. So I could see each of those teams beating each other and they all end up with one loss. And then potentially we have a very confusing situation in which at least one, maybe two of the Pac-12 teams gets ripped off. But I definitely think uh, a Pac-12 winner will come to the playoffs. I think it's going to be Stanford or Oregon. And then I got uh, other predictions I'm assuming we're going to go into later. But I definitely think if Marcus Mariota, if he plays as well as he did last year and they beat Stanford, he will win the Heisman because what the voters are looking for for the Heisman is that key moment. Uh, Jameis Winston, he doesn't have an opportunity like Marcus Mariota does where Oregon hasn't beaten Stanford since he's been quarterback. So if he can beat Stanford, I think that gives him a legitimate claim to the Heisman.
0: Sort of like what Matt Barkley at USC did. he never beat the uh, the Harbaugh and Andrew Luck tandem at Stanford. Stanford has the best defense in the Pac-12, uh, in my opinion. But then it's, you know, what offensive team could dethrone Stanford? Because I ultimately think Stanford's going to probably run the table. Because offensively, they really can get it going. they do lose a lot of firepower. But they still have Ty Montgomery and a returning quarterback. And I think David Shaw has done a nice job taking over, you know, what Jim Harbaugh left. That being said, yeah, what Graham was saying, you know, UCLA and Oregon are very good teams that can run up the score quickly and often. And Stanford last year lost to a very very bad Utah team on the road. So Pac-12 is a mess. A team, but now two conferences that uh, really could fill out those next two spots, or maybe even that final spot, the Big 12 and the Big 10. Big 10 welcomes Jersey's Rutgers, and for some God knows reason why, Maryland. Yeah. So, But then, but then they can return Michigan State, the team that surprised Ohio State and actually won the Rose Bowl. And they return a couple of great players on the team that this was a Michigan State team that wasn't even ranked in the top 25 last year to start the season. And yet they ended up being you know, as high as, was it, fifth? And they have to play Oregon this year. And then the Ohio State in a rematch of that big, uh, big Ten championship. Who, who wins in the Big Ten? Because now Braxton Miller has gone. A lot of these small schools, you know, say a Brady Hoke in Michigan, if they could steal a game, Flo, who do you have winning in the Big Ten?
1: Uh, I think it's going to be Michigan State. Ohio State has lost three out of four against Michigan State already, and I felt that them having to go to East Lansing was going to be tough, and especially now, so without Braxton Miller, so I think uh, Michigan State is going to be. They're going to win uh, the East. Because now they're going to East-West divisions. Uh, yes, it is the East. And then, uh, but then I look at it, the, uh, there's some good teams in the West. So Wisconsin's a very good team. Solid uh, run game. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Wisconsin's good now, and uh, especially when they get in the conference play. Uh, Iowa's got a pretty soft schedule. Uh, Nebraska's always good for nine wins, which, of course, makes people angry, even though people don't realize that Nebraska is not a title <laughs> team anymore. Well, <laughs> I think you look at now the best team in the Big Ten uh, or the B.I.G., as I like to call it, yes. is, in my opinion, uh, now Sparty, Michigan State.
0: Now, Graham, you have a lot of those at-large teams and then the teams from the Big 12 that could easily make a case. We saw how Baylor completely just bursted on the scene with Art Briles' just crazy junk offense being able to score 50 points on the reg. Although they have to take on a very good Oklahoma team, who is returning a lot of starters from the Sugar Bowl champion team, and as Flo pointed out in uh, the dot 360com college football preview, they Bob Stoops, A.K.A. Big Game Bob, is no stranger of getting his team prepared, ready for the big time. Could Oklahoma be a uh, an automatic favorite to win the Big 12? Or could we even see a resurgence of a Charlie Strong in Texas, who's completely cleaned house and made it a very discipline oriented? Or does it go completely into the wayside and we see some team like Northern Illinois or Marshall steal a spot in the college football playoff?
2: I think uh, I think that Baylor will end up in the playoff out of the Big 12. Baylor, However, ladies and gentlemen. I got Baylor. Oklahoma, I see them losing to Kansas State on October 18th. Kansas State is a team that has busted uh, up the Big 12 before. They're n- They're currently ranked number 20. I don't know if that'll actually last. Ain't nobody got time for that. Exactly. They play the top tier teams of the Big 12 very well. And I also think uh, Baylor's going to take it to Oklahoma uh, on November 8th. Um, I also think that Oklahoma's maybe a little bit overrated. I also think other predictions for the Big 12, Texas will finish in the top 25, and TCU Team to watch in the Big 12 Mm. this year. You're going to learn today. You're going to learn today. Graham Burns, bold prediction. Watch out for TCU. TCU.
0: I don't think Baylor, I think teams, with with teams, Baylor's like an Oregon. Teams have figured them out. And the tough thing for Baylor is for them to get into the playoff, for them to get to, to win the Big 12, they have to go into Texas and into Oklahoma. And if they win both those games, then this team is clearly good enough or better than I thought it was. Seeing them get destroyed against Central Florida last year though really made me wonder you know, their defense is not that good. And I think they don't like when teams do exactly what they do. Texas and Oklahoma have this, this smash mouth, you know, we're gonna get the, the big the big hog mollies from the from in state recruits. And I think Charlie Strong has done a great job just with the short time he has had with the University of Texas. I think Texas is gonna win the Big twelve. Because the that, that only key game that UT has to go through is the game in Dallas at the Cotton Bowl against Oklahoma. That's going to be the winner of the Big 12 title. And lastly, we go down to the playoffs. The four teams, Alabama, Florida State, you know, who else could it be? Oregon could spoil the party, UCLA, Michigan State, Notre Dame, USC, LSU, Ole Miss, wherever have you. They will all meet to the Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl, and meeting it in the national championship game in AT&T Stadium. Graham Burns, I'm going to start with you. Who is going to hoist the inaugural college football playoff trophy as truly the outright winner in college football?
2: All right. So I got I got Florida State finishing number one, Alabama at two, Oregon at three, and Baylor at four. So that would put Florida State against Baylor and then Alabama against uh, Oregon. I got Oregon taking it to Alabama. And Florida State taking it to Baylor and then I got Florida State repeating as national champion and beating Oregon in AT&T Stadium in January
0: Interesting, now b you had a very interesting pick that I like Florida State, Oklahoma Can Bob Stoops' team run the table and dethrone Jameis Winston or is Jimbo Fisher just that smart mastermind that Florida State needs in these tough situations
1: I think that Florida State under uh, Jimbo Fisher is going to repeat, run through college football again now. Uh, I'm probably uh, – I would have to change out my South Carolina pick because now if that appears, even though it is still only one night, that I, South Carolina doesn't look like a team that could get to the playoffs, let alone by way of winning the SEC as I had them doing. But, uh-huh. you know, even if you slide Alabama – Fly to you want in there. I had Oklahoma. I had Oregon Oregon losing Oklahoma. Whoever it is, I still think that Florida State, best team in college football, is going to win out, win the college football playoff, win the new trophy, hoist it in a Jerry world. And as uh, you always love when they said it was the Final Four in North Texas. And uh, FSU, back-to-back, the belly-to-belly top of college football.
0: That's very interesting. I, I think offensively, I'm not sure that Florida State's offense is as good as people say compared to the other schools that are facing up against. Because obviously they don't have high dynamics, like, you know, high octane like uh, Oregon. And solid run game, you know, Winston did really well as a redshirt freshman. They have very tough games on their schedule. And being a defending national champion, you know, we haven't seen that, I believe, since uh Either Alabama or the Tim Tebow crew of Florida, if I'm right in saying that. But anyway. What was that? Uh, last repeat national champion. Was it the Tim Tebow years?
2: Uh, I think
0: so. Alabama. That's oh, right, see? Bama.
2: Bama, 2012-2013. <laughs> That's right. Ah, uh, yes.
0: And so I it's been SEC... Exactly. Florida State, they have, you know, you know, a game against Oklahoma State, they're probably just going to, because that, that's the key game that I think everyone's going to be watching. Because, heck, we thought South Carolina was going to be good until they just got smashed by Texas A&M last night. I'm interested to see when they play Notre Dame, because who knows how good Notre Dame is after all this Brian Kelly issues of of four players getting kicked off or suspended from the team. And then they have Louisville, you know, how Bobby is going to do when he's back in action when he takes over a Louisville team that kicked him out, and now he's come back in because they have their first game Monday night against the U and Miami, and then they have the game against Florida, which is always a tough opponent, as it is not in Gainesville, which is lucky for Florida State. If they can actually go undefeated again, it would be amazing. I'm curious to see if Florida State, if they lose, how quickly they can pick themselves up and play back again, because I think a lot of teams see Jameis Winston, much like when they saw Johnny Menzel. Easy target on his back, potential repeat Heisman Trophy winner. It's A lot of the uh, variables go in uh, Florida State's advantage because not, not many teams really exposed Florida State last year. The only tough game they actually played was the national championship game itself. We saw last year a Florida State team just just smash every team in their wake. They had a very good defense. And they had an offense I was very excited to play. That being said, I do not think Florida State will win. I think they will get to the national championship game. I think Alabama is going to win. Because watching a Bama team that has a lot of star power in terms of five-star recruits or whatever, blue chips, and Alabama always will have a good defense. But offense, I'm interested to see how this whole Lane Kiffin experiment works out. Because here's a guy who has an awful track record everywhere he goes. And now you combine two NFL head – former NFL head coaches butting heads thinking, you know, is Lane Kiffin just going to overthrow Saban in terms of I'm going to take over this offense and make it what I want? Because if Lane Kiffin could get things to work, who knows? If he gets things to work, that Alabama offense is going to be so dynamic with a run and, a, and possibly an athletic quarterback, something we haven't seen in Alabama in forever. And they have a very easy schedule. You know, they have a game at Ole Miss, which could be tough. And then they have a game at LSU, which could be tough. They play Auburn at home. They play Texas A&M at home. And Graham's Mississippi State, they play them at home. So those two teams have very easy schedule. I think Alabama comes back and wins the national championship this year. Just by the way of Nick Saban saying, you know, we got kicked in the mouth. And teams usually, they get knocked down, sort of come back with resurgence. I have Alabama winning a national championship game. That being said, that's the end of our college football preview. Now it's time for some frequent headlines. FIFA, The most interesting story you saw this week. Could it go as far as Peyton Manning getting fined for taunting, or is there a little something else uh, in the world of sports that we didn't cover?
1: Uh, I'm actually going to talk about something that is uh, near and dear to uh, our hearts, Mike, in uh, the NASCAR world. Tony Stewart is returning to a race car for the first time this weekend after the, uh, the Kevin Ward tragedy a few weeks ago. And not only that, he addressed the media for the first time earlier today. Uh, Stewart, the first per- people he mentioned by name he mentioned by name was the family of Kevin Ward saying he's praying for them and he's continually thinking about them uh, I was impressed with what Stewart had to say, he seemed uh, very even now he still seemed a little emotionally shaken, he choked up a couple times uh, there in his uh, two and a half uh, minute uh, uh, statement, didn't take any questions but I think that now Stuart coming back to the racetrack and now uh, NASCAR President Mike Helton saying that through a, a special exemption, as only NASCAR could do, that Stewart, yeah. if he were to win, he could still get into the chase. <sighs> so oh, the, uh, the Stewart uh, story, not over, they've not advanced uh, anything from an investigation yet, but Stewart will be returning to a race car this weekend at Atlanta.
0: And he's done well at Atlanta. I'm curious to see how he does. He looked like a mess, but I'm glad he's back. And now I think the legal stuff is still going on. So who knows how that's going to affect him going forward and what happens to him next year? You know, he's always been, you know, adamant to get back into a sprint car and keep racing. Glad he's back. And yes, we do continue to pray for the family of Kevin Ward, Graham Burns. I think the most interesting uh, things I saw. Uh, across the uh, the, uh, the wire was a rumor that uh, Money Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao might actually have a fight in 2015. Is it too little too late, or is this even going to happen?
2: I honestly, this is the first I've heard of that. Uh, I think it'll it'll probably fizzle out. I just get the feeling that it's just not going to happen. Uh, it was I, I feel like all through 2012 and 2013, the boxing world, if it had happened, then it would have been very big. Now it kinda of feels like I don't know, it's one of those kind of things I forget about and uh it just feel it would feel a little forced. I think that's part of the problem, now.
0: Well I think it has to be done though, because Money Mailer, he's got that beef with fifty cent going on, how apparently he oh, yeah. can't read. And then uh, Manny Pacquiao I don't think he hasn't fought in you know in a in a year. So when it happens it'd be great. It won't be, you know, the, the greatest fight ever because those guys are way out of their prime. Floyd Mayweather still might be undefeated, and Pacquiao might still have one last loss. But who knows? That was just something I saw and just laughed, because I thought, you know, it's about time that these guys actually put their, you know, especially Mayweather, put his ego aside for the, uh, for the good of uh, the world of boxing, as we say. The United States men's national team returns back to the field this next week. On Wednesday, they take on... Croatia on a friendly it's just the surprise is that six guys on the team that Klinsman called up have never made a USA appearance and then the rest of the ten guys are from the World Cup so you got World Cup players and then got guys that have never played on a national team Klinsman says he wants to start fresh which he's using his European model of plucking 18 19 year olds and clearly I want to give a shout out to Jordan Morris he is the first he's from the University of Stanford and could potentially be the first college player, kid that's still in college, get called up to the national team, and make an appearance for the United States since 1996. So, another plus side, other than him, everyone that Clemson called up plays in Europe. So it goes back to the method of Clemson's getting young talent that plays overseas, which is exactly what Team USA should be. Last thing, uh, for the final thought, is what are you guys' opinion on the NFL fining Peyton Manning big bucks, thousands of dollars for taunting uh, DJ Swearinger?
2: Well, like Peyton Manning said, it was worth every penny.
1: Uh, yes. I think it was,
2: worth every, it was worth it was worth every penny for him to do it. I
1: think
2: it was also worth every pay, penny for every fan who has seen that video clip of Peyton Manning trying to get DJ Swanger to back down, which I don't think the will ever happen. The old man going
0: helmet to helmet. The we love
2: man. it. Flo, is the old man.
0: Is, is the NFL going way too far with these fines? And we had Jimmy Graham find thirty grand for dunking on the goalpost. We had Peyton Manning fine for taunting DJ Swanger. Is the NFL going out of their minds dishing out these fines?
1: Well, I mean, I think this fine, I mean, it is, I guess, technically. Well, I don't know if he's really taunting the guy. I think he was getting in the guy's face saying, yeah, don't do this again. Because, well, not, well, obviously with a little more expletive and probably, like, if you do this again, you'll never play in the NFL again. Because you didn't see it. So was pretty clearly going for the head there on that mm-hmm. hit. But I had no problem with the fine. I guess, you know, taunting is a taunting. I mean, all, all, on all seriousness, uh, Pink Manning has so much coin. Uh, from his commercials, and of course from the side job of being uh, one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history, and uh, you know, and, and I think the, the quote was, "Cray, you know, worth every penny, money, money well spent." Because so he got in that guy's face, and can you imagine? You're you know, young uh, defensive back, and you got Peyton Manning coming in your face, giving you a piece of uh, what's right and wrong in the NFL. I mean, that was that was good stuff. Uh, Peyton, and you got to give credit to Manning for standing up for his teammates. Uh, for the fine itself, I mean, you know, all in all, it's, it's a relatively insignificant number. I'm sure Peyton Manning, uh, you know, has meal tickets like that, but uh, and can easily afford it. So, but uh, yeah, good stuff all around.
0: All right, and so that will do it for our college football preview for this episode of Fanatic Radio. Next week, we go into depth of the NFL. We yeah. take a look at all the suspensions that have happened in the off season. The case of. What the Browns will do with Johnny Football Who actually uh, At least threw a touchdown pass last night In the, uh, the big win over the Bears Josh Gordon getting suspended Alden Smith getting suspended The fines The, uh, the, the more uh, intensiveness to Pass interference penalties And who will be winning the Super Bowl Months from now in, I, in Arizona I think is what the Super Bowl is Because I was like it's not in San Francisco yep. yet but once again, you can go to uh, the Facebook page, b 360com blogtalkradio.com, slash fanaticradio, or check out the podcast on iTunes to listen to our college football preview, Summer Mox interview. We have more interviews to come next week as well, including our NFL preview for Graham Burns, the notorious Ben Florence. I'm Mike Gardner. You've been listening to Fanatic Radio, reminding you that to check us out next week. And remember, we're not crazy. We're just fanatics. So long, everyone.
1: Ah yeah.